Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of A Thompson and Other Disappointments. This, of course, is a uh, fuck this week edition, which uh, if it's your first time listening to this, uh, it's where I just basically try to make sense of the senseless. Just listen to me rant and rail my way through the week's events and um, share my thoughts and invite you to share your thoughts. If you want to tweet at me at Aid Thompson uh, or at uh, I think it's at and other disappointments is the um, actually. Do you know what? It's not, is it? It's at it's at old shut up aid. I think that was the like whatever it is. Just Google Aid Thompson and other disappointments, and uh, I'm sure you'll find the Twitter for it. Uh, and don't forget to leave us a, a review. Uh, I'm trying to grow the podcast, so God damn it, just say hello for fuck's sake. Uh, I'm coming to you live today from the belly of the beast, from Hipster Central, uh, Dalston Junction. Thursday, you may or may not know this, uh, Thursday's my day that I spend in London. I'm doing meetings and uh, working from cafes and such. Um, but I thought, you know what, on my lunch break today, let's just, let's do, a, let's do another episode. There's a lot going on this week. There's obviously the explosion in Tory corruption. There's the shit about Harry and Meghan that's just found its way across. Do you, do you ever get the feeling that right-wing newspapers, God love them, I, like I've really enjoyed their coverage of the Tory corruption shit this week but there's also definitely an element of like are they desperate to get (laughs) that shit off the front page now like has someone had a word with them like all right you've had your fun come on (laughs) you've 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 given the people something to get angry about and to make it look like you're objective but now can you just go back to Harry and Meghan so uh so that's what we've got today is this big story that um Harry and Meghan were secretly briefing uh, unauthorized biographers to get their side of the story out. Right now, I'm I have been historically uh, very sympathetic towards Harry and Meghan because it sounded like they had a rough ride. It sounded like she is a young mum, and you know, like my heart goes out to any sort of like you know, who, it doesn't matter how you know super rich or what privilege they come from. If you're a young mum or you're a young father, you've got a young family and you're struggling and you've got that anxiety and depression and, and you don't feel supported, uh, that's, a, that's a sad thing. Um, and, uh, and so I, I had a lot of sympathy for them and it sounded as though when they reached out to get uh, some help and support, uh, it wasn't really taken very seriously. And so I had some sympathy with them when they when they bolted. Um, having said that, it does seem now as though something slightly untoward or underhand has taken place on their side of the, the argument. Like the, the story that's come out today is that uh, they briefed some uh, some unauthorized biographers uh, to get their side of the story out, to get some truths out, is how they worded it. Uh, and then they said that they didn't. <laughs> in court they denied that they did uh and so what like why is that a problem well in court obviously you're supposed to tell the truth you can't mislead the court um or certainly not the queen's council or the crown court right this is all very you know headed up by by buckingham palace ultimately that's why it's called a queen's council and a crown court uh, so the idea that they've misled the court uh and lied to them about something like basically put somebody on the stand to say that no, I never had a conversation with um, uh, with those with those biographers, and now it turns out that they did. And their their excuse for it is like, get this, they they just go, yeah, well, we forgot, we forgot that we briefed them. It's like, 
come on, man. Like, I'm, I'm on your side. I'm not a royalist by any stretch. You know, I'm not a, a total diehard lefty, you know, string them all up type. I'm, I'm happy to have some sort of uh, uh, royal family or royal presence for tradition's sake in the UK. It's part of our national identity. Um, but at the same time, I'm like, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna run away from Buckingham Palace and cry and scream about how unfair it is and how underhand it all is and how it like everyone's stuck in the foot, like I feel really sorry for William because he's stuck in the firm and he can't ever leave, you know, all of that stuff. And they talked about the relationship between the tabloid press and Buckingham Palace and how it's this sort of awkward thing where. Uh, the press are invited to Buckingham Palace and they get to shake hands with Prince William and in exchange for that access, the royals get broadly positive coverage and, you know, it's a deal with the devil. But they talked a lot about this relationship that they have with the press and how dishonest and how manipulative it is. And to go from that to now uh, what appears to be them manipulating and controlling the messaging... And then denying it, you know, playing media games is just not the one, man. It just makes me go like, you know, I was on your side. I really was. But I I don't know about this, you know. Is it just me that feels like that? Or is it like, have they have they sort of lost credibility a bit now? Because I, I want to like them. I think they stand for some, some really good causes. And it's nice when you see them, you know, they've broken free and they're living in L.A. or wherever the fuck it is that they live. And they're on stages appealing for, I don't know, green initiatives and uh, vaccine equity and, and all that stuff. I love all that. But the, the credibility and integrity piece starts with being honest and just putting out your messaging correctly. Right? Like, if you've got some truths, this is, this is how, this is the, um, the, the quote that they attributed to Prince Harry was, uh, they said that in an email, they've got Prince Harry on an email saying, we need to be able to deny all, like, connection with this book, <laughs> right? So just take a second to digest that. He's emailing somebody and saying, I need to be in a position where publicly I can deny that I have briefed you about any of this shit, <laughs> Now, that is basically saying I am going to lie to the public uh, that I briefed. That, like, I'm going to play press games. I'm going to play media manipulation, but I'm going to lie to everyone. That's not cool. And his justification for it uh, in, in other quotes and other things that are attributed to them. And again, like, I, I don't fucking know how true this is, it's, but it's all across all of the tabloid press. And it makes me think if it was... If it was false, it would probably just be on, like, page four of the Daily Express or something. But the fact it's on all of them makes me think, oh, this is a bit of a smoking gun. <laughs> um, but this, this other quote that they attributed to him was... Uh, so he said... The first thing he said was, I need to be able to uh, deny this. And the second thing he said was, uh, this could be a good opportunity for us to get some, some truths out there. And I'm thinking, what truths do you need to get out there that you haven't already got out there? You know, why do you, that, if that's the justification for playing media manipulation, then it doesn't hold water for me. It's like, I need to be able to get some truths out there. Cool, okay. What truths? Truths like the ones that you already fucking fire hydranted like across the popular culture space last year when you were, 
giving the Oprah interview, you were talking about, you know, your wife was thinking about suicide and they didn't support her and there were jokes made, like racist jokes about whether she would have a black baby and, and all this shit. Like, they're pretty harsh truths to get out there. And it didn't seem like there was any hesitancy. So what truths are we trying to get out that would necessitate, like, flushing your credibility down the bin, down the toilet? You don't flush in a bin, do you? What the fuck am I talking about? There's my credibility gone. Um, so, yeah, look, I, I don't know. I, I feel very uneasy about these revelations that are coming out now. And it gets to the point where you sort of think to yourself... Am I being manipulated? Is this a real story? Or is this the way that Buckingham Palace move stories around and attribute quotes and pay people off to say that they've read different things and blah, blah, blah? Like, am I being played here to make... So that people like me and you and, you know, your cousin and everyone else read stories like this and then they go, oh, fuck, oh, I don't like that, you know? And then we're turned off of Harry and Meghan... And then Harry and Meghan are ostracised and are super, super unpopular. And, and this is how it starts, you know. Is that, is that the game? Um, I don't know. Is the answer to that, guys? I, 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 I wish I did. Um, but it feels like, you know, like, like is, is this me sort of second-guessing myself? Is this, like, is it Buckingham Palace playing four-dimensional chess with me and other people like me, like... Let's if we if we if we bleed this revelation out, it'll make people who are even in who are quite supportive of them as a couple start to hate them, you know. And I don't want to give them the satisfaction of me also turning going like ah yeah oh I hate them now. But it is I mean if if it is to be believed this stuff, then it does kind of make me hate them a bit because it's like you know we're all about transparency on this podcast. We're all about. Um, you know, sticking two fingers up at people who do manipulate. Uh, we're, we're all about uh, dismissing the right-wing press uh, for distorting and contorting the narrative to, to, to appease their sort of billionaire uh, right-wing press overlord owners. Um, the last thing we want is, is two people who have actually made the brave and bold decision to leave Buckingham Palace and to say, we don't want to be a part of that. That's a weird setup. They've, this, this Buck PR thing of this sort of state-sponsored PR department where all of the newspapers fawn over the Queen. Like, it's a weird setup. And for them to make that bold move to just go like, we're off, we want to be financially independent, that is a cool thing. But to then... To then flush it down the toilet, man, like this is... Yeah, look, I don't know. I'm going off on a, on too much of a rant about this. But I was, I was really jarred to read about that first thing this morning. Um... I, I don't know. I think if you, if you make that... I'll, this is my final point on this. I think if you make that shift, if you, if you stick two fingers up to Buckingham Palace and you say, we don't want to be a part of this and we leave, I think if your justification for leaving is something along the lines of, like, your morals and your, you know, you're taking an ethical start, like, we don't want to be a part of Buckingham Palace because we don't like the setup with the media and we didn't feel supported and mental health and we're against racism and... If that's your stance and your reason for leaving Buckingham Palace, I think you need to be fucking... Your sheets have to be whiter than white. You've got to be so morally centred after that. Because the second that you don't play nice, that you don't play fair, that you play media manipulation, you, it's like... 
it's like the equivalent of um do you know that friends episode when um uh phoebe makes a big song and dance about like when her friends cancel on her it's quite uh, it's not a very famous episode but there's a scene in it where she makes a big fucking deal out of joey cancelling plans on her because he was going to go and get some action somewhere and she's like friends don't cancel on each other friends don't blah 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 and then it turns around like turns out that she has to cancel on him because her sort of like the love of her life is like leaving new york and so she wants to spend that one last night with him and and then he sort of turns it right it's like he's like oh well, hang on a second i thought that you said that and, and it's sort of the, the the media equivalent of that it's like you can't say one minute like we're not down with this and and morals this and ethics that and we don't feel easy at ease with this and then in the in the next breath it turns out that you're doing some of the same shit you've just got to have like i say you got to have your sheets whiter than white if you do that um so yeah that's that's the last thing i'm going to say about harry and megan how how do you guys feel about it have you has this changed your perspective of them has it kind of made you think ah fuck you know, everybody's been telling me that she's a bit of a dick and I've backed them up and now I feel like a bit of a dick myself. You know, that's how I feel a little bit. I'm not totally Piers Morgan about this. I, I want to believe that this is all just uh, like hearsay and exaggeration and, you know, willfully misinterpreted stuff. But I don't know. It doesn't look good. I'd be interested to hear how you guys feel about it. Um. The other big story, of course, this week is uh, Tory corruption, which has, uh, as I mentioned earlier, has found its way right across the newspaper stands from the Express to the Mail, even in the Telegraph, even on the front page of the Telegraph in a tiny little thing. Boris Johnson's former employer finally saw fit to acknowledge that there may have been some sort of corruption story this week. Um, uh, so yeah, that's that's been hilarious to see, <laughs> to see explode. Um, I, th- I think one of the interesting things about this is that this idea that you can be an MP and have a second job, and it doesn't necessarily conflict with your job as an MP, right? And I mentioned this in a TikTok that you can, you know, I, I want to be reasonable about this. Like you could, you could be an MP and have a second job or a third job uh, or, or like a sort of, you know, honorary board role if such a thing exists. I could totally see, like, if I ran for local office and I, I but I was also a director of a paperclip factory uh, or a, a record label, I could absolutely do those two roles and just, like, attend meetings once a month, provide some sort of strategic guidance to, to the board if they asked me for my input on X, Y, and Z, then I could do that. Um, but that is, that is not really what we're talking about here, is it? Like, because the, let's say I work for a paperclip factory because I'm interested in paperclips. Well, let's say my brother runs a record label and I'm an investor in it. I am then going to want to have some sort of say in how that business is run. But n- neither of those two scenarios have anything to do with me being an MP and wouldn't really benefit from my connections as an MP, in theory, um, but what we're talking about with, with MPs is where they, they hire these people 
directly because of their influence, because of their position, because of their connections, and because of the meetings that they can set up, and because of how they can contribute to sort of like lobbying and asking questions in Parliament, and how how would we feel if we diluted the standards of food and beverages and blah blah? You know, like it's that kind of crooked shit that we're talking about. Um. And, and there's a lot of kind of pushback from people where they say, oh, well, it's not, it's not like that. You know, they, they take these board roles, they're paid 100 grand for like two hours a month. Or, you know, it's an obscene amount of money to be on a board for that little time and dedication. And people say, oh, it's good. Yeah, but it's got nothing to do. I mean, you couldn't like what what lobbying, what real benefit could you be providing to those people? For, we did just like an hour a month, you know, and it's like, well, that's that is a good question. But it does beg a further question, which is, well, why is it that when these motherfuckers get found out, when you get a Patterson who is exposed for uh, directly lobbying, habitually, again and again, breaking these rules, when they get found out and exposed, and then they have to resign from their, from their role as a constituency MP even, or like minister or shadow minister or, or whatever... Why is it immediately that they're dropped by these fucking companies? It's because they're no, they're no fucking use to them anymore. It's like, uh, can I still be a board member of the Paperclip Factory? Well, yeah, you can, because the Paperclip Factory has fuck all to do with you being a constituency MP. You're here because you love paperclips and because you have experience in, I don't know, the paperclip distribution world. <laughs> but if we've hired you to the board because you're a minister who knows the foreign secretary or you're a MP who knows the secretary of state for fucking X, Y, and Z. If we've, if we've hired you, if we're paying you a hundred grand because of all that, and then you get found out and you lose that job and those connections and nobody wants to have meetings with you, then no, we're not going to pay you another hundred grand. What are we paying you for? You don't know anything about the actual business that we do. All you know about is how to set up a meeting how to lobby, your connections, and so on. So we know that it stinks to high heaven because they... Patterson was fired by both his lobbying firms. Uh, What was it? I think they were called Lynn's... Lynn's Country something or other. And another one was like a food and beverage thing. Um, He was dropped within like 24 hours by both of them after he resigned. So if he was in the... If he was there on the good of his, like, laurels, you know, his experience and you know, what he knew about the food game and all that stuff, he, they would have kept hold of him. They'd have been like, yeah, well, he knows his stuff, yeah. So we know that they're crooked. So we need to stop this idea that, like, well, it's perfectly fine for these people to rake it in for four hours a month or, or whatever it is, for hundreds of thousands of pounds a year. It stinks to high heaven. Um, it's interesting, the, the, the other thing that, that sort of piqued my interest with this was... Um, the right-wing newspapers getting all outraged about it. I was like, why now? Why have they suddenly gotten, like, outraged and, and decided to cover this shit now? Like, why is this causing Boris Johnson problems now over, like, you know, six months ago or, or a year ago or two years ago? Like, when, this whole time, people like me and i mean not really me in any meaningful way but like people i know and and people you know and people you watch and listen to have been fucking ranting and raving about tory corruption for how long for months years constantly about like these guys are fucking corrupt they've done this for self uh 
self, you know, career furthering reasons. They've done this for self-serving reasons. They're not doing this for the public good. They're just trying to secure a board role after they leave government or that, you know, they've got connections here or they're on the board for that. Or like, it's so obvious that they're corrupt, that it stinks to high heaven, that they're not doing this for the public good, that they are in the pockets of like lobbying firms or think tanks or donors and so on. Um, so why is it that now these journalists are like, oh, my God, it's so shocking. Have you, have you heard about this shocking, corrupt Tory? These, this succession of corrupt Tories. This is outrageous. And it got me thinking. I was like, these guys are like fucking Daily Planet journalists, you know? <laughs> like in Smallville back in the day. Journalists for the Daily Planet who worked alongside Clark Kent for like 10 years. Every day. They see this guy. And then when it turns out Clark Kent is Superman, they're like, oh, wow. I didn't see this coming. <laughs> they're like in- investigative journalists who just can't see what's in front of them the entire time. They're like... Um, but the other example is like... Uh, uh, did you guys see that news story? This must be a year or two ago now. Uh, it's a heavy metal band... And I forget the name now, but it was a real, like, death metal band. <laughs> the guy that was in it. I think he was a singer. It might have been the just lead guitarist or something. But the guy that was in it was, like, you know, six foot tall, long, dark hair. Looked like a mean motherfucker. Like a sort of, you know, Aryan Brotherhood kind of guy. With tattoos and a leather jacket. And I know that that doesn't necessarily make you a satanic fucking beast. But, you know, he didn't look like a super nice guy and then the names of his songs were on spotify and it was like i have knives in my house for murder that was the name of one of them and then another one was like my house is full of human skulls that was the name of another song and you know here's this scary guy with these names of these songs that are all about murder and like another one was called hammer smash face or something and then yeah no it turned out that he was uh yeah, he was arrested for fucking having actual human bodies or bones or something in his, mouth, in his house. And I was a bit like, I mean, sometimes, you know, they say you shouldn't judge a book by the cover, but sometimes the illustration on the cover is actually really fucking great and you can trust that. And I feel like it's a bit like that with, with corrupt Tories. It's a bit like, you know, it's so obvious what's in front of you. Like, where the fuck have you people been? You're supposed to be journalists. Like, I joke a lot about some journalists being like, you know, it's basically the fucking Beano. It's like, you know, these, the, the, the unrivaled investigative journalists at The Sun have decided to cover corrupt Tories. <laughs> you know? I was saying earlier today, I was like, on a TikTok talking about, you know, these right-wing journalists who were suddenly shocked and outraged at Tory corruption. I'm like, will you be staying long in objective reality? Or is this just a little, a little break for you? A little holiday here? Because it's like, you know, we're, we're looking around at Tory corruption. The other elephant in the room, the other obvious thing is, uh, uh, is Brexit and how detrimental it is to the country and how much of a, a weird Boris Johnson ambition vehicle it has been and how disastrous it's been for everyone and how the reverberations are still being like felt and impacting uh but nobody's covering this and i just wonder like if we can get to this point at the moment where we are actually seeing some good old-fashioned press scrutiny 
of government rather than the sycophantic, uh, what's the word, supine media that we've seen over the last five or six years, basically ever since the Brexit vote. Now we've got this, this press scrutiny, this newspapers holding the government to account. Finally, I wonder, like I don't want to have too much faith. <laughs> My faith is on the fucking floor 99% of the time, but could, could we be on the horizon of, you know, is this a sort of beam of sunlight breaking through the like rain clouds and actually we might be about to see them hold the government to account for brexit that would make my fucking decade if we could just see like because here's the thing it's there's this there's this idea sorry you can hear the sounds of uh, dalston uh, in the background one of these days i will actually invest in a proper studio and i won't just be walking around london aimlessly um here's the thing right with with uh, authoritarian or um, you know fascist or just super right wing governments is there's this idea that if they just keep belittling and mocking and dismissing quote the other side that the other side will just go away that the other side are just going to sort of stand there and go oh, oh can't believe they didn't listen to us that's really annoying you know and then another scandal pops up and then we go oh you need to fix this and then they go oh yeah fuck you you bloody lefties or Ramonas or you know and they just dismiss us and and then their idea is that then we just go oh can't believe they didn't listen to us oh we're so losery I wish we weren't losing so much (laughs) you know but that's not reality what actually happens in reality is you can dismiss people and you can mock them and ridicule them and 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 like minimize minimize the right word there I don't know but you can you can sort of um dilute uh uh, their points and and, and you yeah, just dismiss them you know as, as much as you like but people will start off knocking on your door and they'll say can we get a raise for nurses please and you'll say no fuck off losery ramonery lefty blah 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 and then they won't get a raise and the nurses will get poorer and then the bus drivers get poorer and then um, doctors get poorer and then uh, it, it goes upwards and upwards and like lawyers and then not enough houses are built and then nobody can afford a house and then the economy implodes and then slowly more and more people are knocking on that door and then they get angrier and angrier and banging the door and banging it down and eventually they will storm the fucking castle and there'll be something close to <laughs> a sort of coup or a revolution or so it's, it's incredibly self-defense defeatist and short-termist to just dismiss quote the other side um it's it's sort of the political equivalent of uh disrespecting your partner you know your boyfriend your husband your wife your girlfriend whoever you might win in the short term if you say i'm going out tonight you know and then your husband goes oh okay and then the following night you go yeah i'm going out again and then he goes can i go out maybe on friday and then you go no, no, I'm going out on Friday as well. Like, you might, if, if you carry on acting like that, you'll probably get to go out on Tuesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night. Then, you know, Monday he says, oh, I thought I might head round, uh, I don't know, James's and play pool. And then you go, uh, no, actually, I'm going round. But eventually, if you keep pushing and keep pushing, eventually what's going to happen? He's going to either explode or he's going to leave you or, or, you know. So it's it's short-termist in the extreme to continue to try to get your way and dismiss and mock and ridicule the other side because eventually there will be like a resetting of things things will be balanced again 
and it might not be in such a comfortable way as it could have been had you actually fucking had a grown-up conversation about it. And that's the thing that really winds people like me up, is like, this is supposed to be politics. The whole idea with politics is like, you negotiate, you listen to each side of the debate, you, uh, you compromise, you, you sit down with people who have a different point of view and you work through the night if you have to, to get to a solution where you don't get everything that you want, they don't get everything that they want, but together you find a way that's like the least worst option and then you're all happy to sort of shake hands and then move things forward. When was the last time we had anything close to that in British politics? It's been so divisive and unproductive for like five, six years now. It's just been like, yeah, can we talk, like, fine, if we need to Brexit, then let's Brexit. We've apparently voted for that. Uh, But can we do it over 10 years? Because that's a measured approach to it. That's going to give us time to untangle from you. No, fuck you, Ramona. Lefty, liberal, libtard. You know, it's, it's that kind of childish, dismissive attitude that then results in people going like, well... We thought it was an advisory referendum anyway, so we're going to try and get it over to... You know, people don't just say, oh, well, oh, they didn't listen to us. I guess I'll go and sit down. They just don't. You just piss them off and they get more determined. <laughs> so I think that's why... I can't even remember how I got onto this now. Um, I think that's, that's what I would like to see at the end of this, uh, this, this corruption... Uh, expose if you like is that we well first of all I'd like to see Boris Johnson ejected from power and then if they're going to replace him with with another Tory I'd just like it to be somebody fucking moderate just somebody that is half credible you know I'm not somebody that's I'm going to agree with everything I'm never going to agree about everything with with a conservative minister but somebody who can at least form a coherent strategy and back it up with some kind of credible <laughs> facts and figures and, and, can, and talk about it openly and maturely and, and in a measured fashion. That's all I'm asking. It's like, don't have a, a fucking Dominic Raab or a Pretty Patel. Somebody just sits there smugly and then dismisses any challenge to them as somehow like hating Britain. That kind of shit just needs to go. Um... The other angle of this, I saw this this morning, was uh, um, I saw a BBC News article that said all of these accusations of Tory corruption are affecting Tory MPs' mental health. (laughs) Uh, Which I loved. Um, I loved the fact it was on the BBC. Um, You know, the BBC have, have, for all intents and purposes, been castrated and people love to say, oh, BBC's too, oh, so fucking lefty and woke, oh, I hate the Beeb, you know, all that shit. Well, maybe. Like, in, if you're flicking through BBC Three's, like, programming schedule stuff, yeah, it, a lot of it is going to be cosmopolitan and, you know, LGBT and super anti-racist and, and all of that. And there's a place for all of that content, that's fine. And if it doesn't vibe for you, then great, don't watch it. But the news, the political editor of of the BBC appears to be a close personal friend of Boris Johnson who can't bring herself to criticise the government in any meaningful fucking way at all. Even in the week of all of these, like, all of these examples of, of Tory corruption. And so it's hilarious to then see 
the BBC's coverage of it come up this morning saying like Tory MPs mental health is being really seriously affected by these accusations of of corrupt like maybe don't be corrupt if it's making you sad if you feel sad about people calling you a fucking corrupt crook that's looting the public purse what do you think the solution is for that you've got two solutions number one you could go and seek out some mental health support oh no wait you, you shut all the fucking walk-in nhs centers you cut all the funding in real terms for mental health support so yeah i, I guess that one's fucked um What's the other option? Is maybe stop being a corrupt fucking crook? Like, I love this idea that you've got people like Jeff Cox, former Attorney General, Jeffrey Cox, on 82 grand a year as an MP in a safe blue seat. And he's off in the fucking Virgin Islands advising firms how to tax dodge. And people are like, you tax dodging amoral second jobbing cunt and then laura koonsberg is straight out the gate going oh no careful now careful his mental health remember like i'm sure his mental health is fine because he released a statement last night suggesting that he couldn't have done anything wrong because all of his constituents have voted him in with a greater majority every single time which is an incredibly cynical way to respond to criticism because his, he's, a, he's an MP, I can't remember the fucking name of the place now, but it's a solid conservative seat. And so this idea that he's, he couldn't have done anything wrong because he keeps getting voted back in is like, you know, you could fucking put a blue rosette on a penguin in his town and it would be voted in. <laughs> it's, you know, you're never going to get rid of Jeffrey Cox unless he resigns or, which he might do this week, um... But yeah, he's, uh, he's in the hot seat now, isn't he? It's, it's funny, man. Like, these guys, they have no fucking understanding of, of morals, of ethics. They, the first thing that they say is like, well, I haven't been voted out. It's up to the, it's up to the voters if they want to vote me out. Um, which is, as I say, like, incredibly cynical for, for uh, Tories who sit quite comfortably in, in the Tory heartland. Um, but it's also kind of, it's, the reason it's, it's sort of devoid of morals is, is it's like, there's a lot of things that aren't against the rules, that aren't against the law, you know, but we don't fucking do them, you know. I could walk past an old lady on the street and I could whisper at her, you fucking old lady, <laughs> like, and she wouldn't like it and I wouldn't need to do it i would make her day worse and i'd probably hurt her feelings you fucking old lady but i don't do it because it's not the right thing to do even though sometimes i might feel like doing that you know especially if they're walking slowly and i'm trying to get somewhere you fucking old lady um i like the sort of restraint at the end of that by the way like because you would expect somebody to go you fucking old bitch wouldn't you (laughs) like you fucking old cunt you old twat you know there has to be another swear word on the end for it to really punctuate you fucking old bitch so then restraining yourself you fucking old lady like it's like you sort of neuter it a little bit it shows like i've i've started off angry and then somewhere in that sentence i've sort of like gone ah yeah she's not so bad you know you fucking old lady yeah lady will do um last thing i want to talk about on this episode is uh these social care uh, compulsory jabs 
so this is something that's come into force today that I heard about on the Julia Hartley Brewer show this morning. God help me. Such is the deliriousness that my daughter leaves me in when she wakes me up at fucking 3 a.m. That all I can do is just throw her in the back of the car. Not literally, like, I mean, like, in the car seat, right? And then I drive around the town with two fucking Costa coffees to keep me awake and start my day. Uh, and, and that's the only way I can sort of placate her and keep her in one place where I don't have to exercise too much energy to sort of handle her. And then, you know, and, and the only real thing I'm listening to is, is like Paul Ross on talk radio. He's, t- he's talking about films and cinema and stuff. And that's sort of half interesting to me. And then after that is fucking Julia Hartley Brewer. Um, and she's off on one every fucking morning. It's like she's someone's grandma and she's Mr medication and then like so somewhere in fucking south london there is a julia hartley brewer shaped hole in a nursing home and nursing staff going like oh fuck she got out again (laughs) you know she's going off on one every morning and today it was about social care and how we're forcing these care workers to get the jab and her phrasing of it the wording of it is so telling and unsurprising um she's like She's like, is it right that as of today we are sacking, I don't know, N number of social care workers because they, they can't or they refuse to get the jab? We're sacking them. I'm like, nobody's sacking them. Where is this fucking... Who's writing this copy? Nobody's sacking any care workers. Like, it's no different to... Like, like if you worked in KFC and let's say now, right, we're in November, you start getting stuff like you get a little letter put into your payslip so you can't miss it and the letter says as of february 2022 all staff need to have training on food and beverage safety right let's say that happens so kfc warn you that you need to do this qualification in order to work in a restaurant in the uk and you go ah, i'll get around to it and then you get another reminder next month in next month's payslip and then like in the weeks leading up to february 2022 you get text messages through and every like every week it's like don't forget you have to do your food and beverage safety course otherwise you will no longer be able to work in a rest and then it gets up to february the first and then you go on fucking talk radio and go like i can't believe i'm being cancelled you know that's what it's like it's like it's to keep people safe it's to minimize risk it's to make sure that people don't get you know in that scenario a tummy upset or, or fucking e coli or like some some sort of like tummy viral thing that could have been spared had you just met the qualifications to work in that you know and it's the same thing with this it's like just have the fucking jab and then there's no problem and i get this idea that like it's not the state's responsibility to inject stuff into your body but i mean it's like isn't it just easier to just have the fucking jab why does everyone have to need need to be a fucking freedom fighter why does everything have to be like, oh, I'm so oppressed. The government are oppressing me. Everyone likes to think that they're fucking Braveheart now. I would love to see like a, a few of these like anti-jab, anti-mask, anti-EU, super Brexity pricks. Just like o- off they go into a real like war-torn dictator oppression kind of country setup. You know, or, or even just sit in a, a support group for people who have escaped tyranny and like the first guy's like 
Yeah, it was really bad. Um, I lived in the Congo for like seven years and uh, every day the government soldiers would storm into my house and uh, rape my wife and beat my children. And I said I was a Christian and they cut off two of my fingers and I kept saying I was a Christian whenever they asked me and then they kept cutting off more of my fingers and my toes and it was really bad. I was very oppressed and very scared every day and I, I made it out of that. Then it gets to the next person and they go... Yeah, um, well, I lived in um, the southern uh, states, uh, Missouri or something, and um, yeah, my husband was black and I was white, and uh, every day we were uh, tormented and oppressed, and um, they burnt down our, our house, and then finally we, we managed to save enough money, and we, we got away, and it was actually very terrifying, and um, anyway, it's just really good to be here amongst people who have been through similar struggles, and then finally it gets to you. They passed a talking cushion to you, and it's your turn to speak, and you go... Yeah, I was, um, I was asked to get two jabs uh, or they said I couldn't be a social care worker anymore. Like the other two are like, um, I'm sorry, what? The first guy's like, uh, yeah, what? Uh, yeah, well, I, yeah, I know it doesn't sound like much, but it's actually, I, I was very oppressed. Um, they asked me nicely to get two jabs. They warned me several weeks in advance and I just decided I didn't, I didn't really want to do it. So I didn't. And then I lost my job as a social care worker. Like, what, I'm sorry, what the fuck are you talking about? You know, you'd be, you'd be laughed out of there. People would be like, are you taking the piss? What is this for you? You love coming in here and taking it? Are you mocking us? You know? <laughs> I don't know, man. It's, 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 it's funny and it's depressing. Like, firstly, it's depressing because I've got like friends smart people intelligent people who have fallen into this trap and i like to think of them as radicalized you know they've read too many articles they've been bigged up and retweeted one too many times by a few other people on uh, on twitter and i don't know what was that super right wing or like alt ring uh, alt <laughs> alt ring alt right thing parlor they've been <laughs> reparlored one too many times uh and now they've got it in their head that they've you know they're somehow they're doing something that's worthwhile uh, that they um, that they had a point that they should be listened to that they should carry on doing this and they'll get more retweets and reparlers or, or whatever and they are and it, it is a form of radicalization I think um, but the other thing like the thing that's funny about it is the sort of right wing concern for social workers you know it's like why is Julia Hartley Brewer on talk radio this morning fretting about what happens to sacked social workers social care workers why is she on the radio suddenly caring about sacked nursing home workers oh it's really terrible they're being sacked well no they're not you know we've been over this well i know but it's really bad because they're being basically they're being told to choose between being vaccine free or having employment right okay well where was this concern when austerity was cutting down the number of like nursing home staff where like when did you start giving a fuck about public sector workers about social care about uh, hospital staff about nurses like do you have you ever raised any concern about the numbers of these people who are in employment or who are then made unemployed or no no i haven't well then why now why does this bother you and it it kind of just falls into that like weird alt-right anti-vax anti-mask libertarian pro-brexit weirdness doesn't it
it's like it's all part of the same half of the country. And I know people are going to say shit like, well, I voted Brexit, but I'm not anti-mask. Well, okay, cool. But I think you're in the minority. And yes, you should be applauded for being, you know, pro-science and aligning yourself with the studies that show that masks are effective in reducing the spread. And the very clear examples of countries who have mandated mask use who have seen lower transmission. Um, But you can't deny that... I mean, if I... Look, this is just anecdotal, obviously, but if I look at my friends who were pro-Brexit, they're also pro-Trump. They're also anti-mask. They're also... On a good day, just vaccine sceptic. They they populate the same shit over and over again. They're like, they're basically all Joe Rogan. They're all kind of, I mean, they're not, you know, muscly and like bald and the rest of it. But they are all basically him. They all sit in that sort of pseudo-intellectual, anti-mask. I think that if I have a jab, I'm being oppressed. I won't let the state inject shit. You know, it's, it's, I don't know what it is and I don't know how you fix it. I don't know how you de-radicalise people like that. Um, but yeah, there's something, there's something weird to that. Anyway, listen guys, I've, I've been fucking rabbiting on for so long uh, to myself and I've, you know what, I've got actually quite thirsty. So I'm going to go and get myself a drink. Um, thank you so much for listening. If any of these subjects, topics or points or whatever have been interesting to you, then please do give me a tweet at Aid Thompson and uh, stay tuned. I'll have another episode next week with a guest, hopefully. And uh, yeah, ciao for now. Take care, guys. <laughs>